Why do you think a lot of people don't last like in sales or no matter what you do, it's coming in? Compared <laughs> to like commissions, if you don't do anything, you're not gonna get anything. Five o'clock comes and yeah, maybe I have to leave to go run kids around or whatever, but when that's done, then Try to transition their life into owning your own business. They've lived so long with the city paycheck, yeah. putting in minimal amount of effort and still getting that paycheck. And that's what happened with the Marshall fires. Can so, you come up with ten thousand dollars if your car disappeared all of a sudden? What are like the biggest barriers that you had? Part-time job yeah. with full-time pay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, underrated, underrated. We the underdogs, underestimated. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Totem Podcast. I'm your host, Monico Carrillo. Remember that an act of rebellion is to question. What's up, Eric? Not much. Just here, enjoying the new studio. We got a little bit of new wall decor up on the walls instead of the the usual flag and stuff. The usual flag and just flat black. So yeah, change it up today. A little bit more pizzazz. There you go. There you go. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I mean, thanks for uh, cruising out here. It's a it's a bit too for you to come out here, but appreciate it. Um, could you give somebody like could you give the the audience like a brief breakdown like what do you like who you are what you do stuff like that okay um my name is amy school and i own a farmer's insurance agency and so um i just work with customers to help them understand um how their insurance policies work why they are paying that money every month and um, what they can expect if um, something happens to their home or their business or their cars and how the how the claims process works so first of all it's like the Something I'm really interested in is like, like why insurance? Like why'd you get into? How insurance? did I get into insurance? Because there's a lot of people like it's a commission based, uh -huh. so it's not you know you don't a lot get a of, secure lot of paycheck. Shy away from it. Yeah. So it's like why'd you choose? Um, I, I, I was working for um a, a financial planning company um and um I had a a great team that I was working with, but I was the I was the last person there. So um, until somebody else retired, I was not going to be able to move up within the company. So I just kind of started looking and I never thought I would do sales, but watching the financial planner that I worked with and how he did sales and all, all it was was building relationships with people and talking to people. So I just kind of started looking for something else. Um, and farmers, actually a farmer's district manager contacted me. They saw my resume out there and they contacted me and called me in, um, for an interview. And I told my husband when I was going in for the interview, I hate insurance, but I haven't been on an interview in 10 years. So I need some interview experience. So I'm just going to go. And so I went in and, um, had my interview and it was really them, um, kind of selling me on the opportunity and what it can do for me. And it really was my opportunity to own my own business. Um, I'm, I'm not an artistic type of person, so I couldn't, like I could never design something or build something or anything like that. So, um, but this gave me the ability to own my own business and, um, and have the freedom of schedule and continue to work with clients on a uh, on their finances but on a different side of the financial world so um, I learned a lot about insurance I knew nothing about insurance at the time and so I just realized that it's it is an important piece that everybody has for their finances it can uh, if you don't have the right coverage in place and something happens it can it can put you in financial ruin so um, it's a you know it was just something that intrigued me and was a way to continue with my same customers but in a different manner and so I jumped on board 
How, how was that like that at the beginning where you go from, like, I'm guessing you had, like, a paycheck, more I had sta- a salary, a yes. salary, more, like, almost, like, no matter what you do, it's coming in, you yep. know, <laughs> compared to, like, commissions, like, if you don't do anything, you're not going to get anything. Uh-huh. It was shocking at first, yes. <laughs> and how was that conversation, like, with, Sh- with your husband? Shocking or scary? <laughs> Terrifying, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, because you have kids, too, so just, I, I don't didn't know if you have did, kids at the time. At the time. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, he was all for it because he's a natural salesperson. So he was like, absolutely, this is the way for you to have control over your life. Um, everybody talks about work-life balance. This was my way to be able to have a work-life balance. Um, is, there I, work, is there work-life balance? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, That's what you thought at first, I, yes, but then now it's... I it's do have different. total control over my schedule, so I can um, I can plan life things around work, but... I'm working all the time. When you own a business, you work all the time. So, you know, but but I do have the ability to go to, to things that I wouldn't have the ability to go to if I had a nine-to-five job. But um, but so he was all for it, um, and I did really well for about three months, and then all of a sudden, like, the pipeline just dried up, and nobody was saying yes, and I had a massive panic attack, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, he had me listen to some um, motivational, sales motivational tapes. Um, and so it helped and you just, it's, it's not an easy business, but you just keep going. I mean, they say um, three in every 10 will make it, that's, that try it. And so I just kept grinding and like failure wasn't an option. So you just keep going. And I did, um, end up two years into it I we had our first baby and so it was just like okay we got to do this this has got to work and we just kept going so you said about three and ten uh like agents make it mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and then who I'm curious who's the who was the first motivational speaker you listened to uh, I can't think of his name he's older guy and he's not alive anymore but he was big Zig Ziglar Zig Ziglar mm-hmm. he's good Mm-hmm. That was the one that he he sent me all kinds of stuff to listen to in my car and so. still the and the cassette stuff was it still cassettes or was it CDs now? It was CDs at that okay. point in time. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> was it that that long ago? That long ago. <laughs> well, it was a while. It was about eighteen years ago. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. cra- yeah, that's crazy. Because for for like, that's kind of how it was for 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 us too. My first one that I listened to was uh, Grant Cardone. I don't, okay. I don't know if you were, mm-hmm. but he's like big into sales and stuff like that. And it was like some short video that I just listened to him and I was just like, oh, this kind of mm-hmm. makes sense. That's kind of like why our motto like here is like an act of, uh, an act of rebellion is the question. Yeah, because it's, uh, I was just sitting there and I listened to it and it just kind of like questioned my whole thing. I was just like, mm-hmm. what? Just questioned like my whole beliefs of everything. I was just like, wait, what? I mm-hmm. think there's, there's something more here. Yeah, but that's so why I'm always curious to know. Like the the, the first one I listened to was uh, Andy Frisella when he was on uh, SoundCloud. Okay. Way back then, I remember um, our uh, older brother Diego like recommended him, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll listen to it. And it was like a week later, and then uh, I still hadn't listened to it. And he he uh, texted me again. He's like, did you listen to it? And I was like, no. And he was like, no, you should you should probably listen to it because it's pretty good. And then, like he like pushed me to listen to it, and I listened to it. And I was like, oh, like this is that's pretty good. Yeah. For disclosure, to listen, you, you have to see Andy Frisella, like, just on audio. I don't know if you're aware with him. Uh-huh. Just on audio, I mean, doesn't do it just. Like, you have to you see have to him because he's really, 
I think that's true with it for anybody. He's really like amped, like ready to go. So you kind of yeah. have to see him. It's not just like audio stuff. Just kind of. Yeah. And you have it. to do what they say. I mean, you can listen to them all you want, but you gotta you gotta make it a practice to do what they say, because it works. I mean, it works for lots of people, but only if you do what they say. So. Why do you think a lot of people don't last, like in sales or like in insurance specifically? Um, it's, it's just a grind and I don't think they expect it to be that hard. You know, I've heard, I heard somebody when I, cause when you first start with farmers, you're in the district office for the couple of years while they're training you on everything. And I heard one of the guys who was coming in say, well, this is wonderful because, um, now I, everybody's my client. I used to, I used to, he used to sell medical sales and he's like, so I, I was limited on who I could sell to. Now I can sell to absolutely anybody. This is going to be wonderful. And it's like, it seems that easy, but it's not that easy. I mean, some, some companies, there are certain markets that they're looking for and you don't really know. So until you run the quotes, you don't really know. And sometimes you're going to have, you're going to be really competitive and sometimes you're not competitive at all. And you just, there's no way to know until you actually put the information in the system. And so I think people go into it thinking, oh, everybody's going to want to work with me, all my friends, all my family, everybody I know. And it's just not that easy. If it was that easy, then everybody would What'd be, be successful. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that easy. It's, it's, it's funny. It's sometimes like your closest family and stuff, they won't support you uh-huh. until later on. And yes. like just random strangers are going to start supporting you first. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I don't, I don't know if it's uh, the the lobsters in the bucket where they see you starting to become successful and they're kind of a little envious of you mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, and it's not until you actually start to build something that they're like, oh, like they're actually serious. Like, yeah. They know what they're doing them. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard a, th- a thing. Oh, it was on a video. And it was, uh, I, I, for, I forgot. I saved it on my phone somewhere. But it's saying like people like your family, your haters, like they support you when you're starting off. And then as you're actually going and you get a little bit more serious and you're actually going, they like want to pull you back down mm-hmm. because they say you remind them of their dreams. Like mm-hmm. I could have done this. Now that you're actually going like, no, wait, where the fuck are you going? Get back yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if you see the video. Don't get too successful. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I don't know if you see the I think I sent it to you of uh, Bradley. I don't know if you know him. Uh, he's talking about, he's like, yeah, your friends are going to be like that. And then once you're like, hey, I can't hang out on the weekend or I can't do this. They're going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Come yeah. back and be average again. Like, yeah. Yeah. where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and that's that's the hard part. Like, yeah. You you got you got so successful that you're too good for us now, and it's like, no, I got so successful that I don't have time to do anything else right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's harder for people to like last in sales or owning their own business if they come from a nine to five job. Uh huh. And then try to transition their life into owning your own business because yeah. they they they've lived so long for with like the steady paycheck, yeah. putting in minimal amount of effort and still mm-hmm. getting that paycheck, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who that's all they've known. Yeah, like as soon as like they're old enough to start doing their own thing, start having their own business, all they know is to put in this maximum amount of effort. Yeah, to be able to like work your way there. Yeah, what and do it's you just f- like two different types of people that are in that situation and that. That's the, the, how they respond different to like adversity as they come too. Because like as business owner having your own business, you're, you're gonna run nothing but roadblocks. Yeah, there's gonna be roadblocks all around. And the, but then and the, you're just used to just overcoming them, and that's just a part of the norm. But like if you come from like a regular nine to five job, it's like 
you don't have those roadblocks. You just show up, clock in, yeah. do the job you're hired to do, and then go home. Yeah. And the day never ends. I mean, 5 o'clock comes, and yeah, maybe I have to leave to go run kids around or whatever, but then when that's done, then I'm working again. Like, it's just... And people, a lot of people aren't used to that. They're like, I get paid to work from 9 to 5, so that's when I'm going to work. So. so do you think that was a benefit for York? Because you pretty much went from college to, like, your business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so you don't know the difference? <laughs> I mean, I... Well, I mean, when he, was I was, the bet, he was the number one, what was it, door greeter, cashier at Cashier. Walmart? No, that was, uh, <laughs> that was my uh, sophomore year in, uh, in college, but my freshman year, I would literally go on Craigslist uh-huh. on the, the free stuff, and I'd go pick up a bunch of free stuff and then flip it and try and just sell it on Facebook Marketplace. Wow. Like, I even had my dad's van, and I would, like, pack can- that thing up with everything. The candy van. So, just put it in perspective, it was a van with no windows. <laughs> so, it looked like he was a... It, yeah, it was one of those, like, creeper vans, and it had a big old, like, wolf sticker in the back. It super creepy. Yeah. No, but I would I would go around and, like, pick up stuff for free, flip it on Facebook Marketplace or other places, and, like, sell it for a profit. Yeah. And that's how I did my whole freshman year. So, I was, like... So, I've... I've you're an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I've been like that since, since the beginning. Yeah. And then I did get like a, a job, like a, a, my, my sophomore year in, in college. To, so I was like, oh no, like, let me get something more like steady or, or whatever. But then I, I didn't even last three months. I didn't even get the employee discount. Because <laughs> you have to be there for three months to be able to get the discount. And I didn't even get it because I didn't last. Yeah. Because I just got so sick and tired of it right away. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the paycheck, I guess, is okay. But then you have to show from this time to this time. And you have to do this, nothing else. Yeah. And I just, I just couldn't last. Well, that's that's see then that I don't have necessarily that entrepreneurial spirit that you have. There's no way that I would be able to just go sell something to people. Um, I tell people I'm in sales, but I sell a product that the law requires and that banks require if you have a loan on your on your property. And so, yes, I'm in sales, but not. Like, I'm not out hustling people and trying to get them to buy my product. I'm, I'm very impressed with people that can do that, but, yeah. I think it came from, comes from uh, just growing up with my dad. Yeah. My dad's been just an entrepreneur his whole life. They, they, had a, they had a store here in Fort Morgan for over 20 years and stuff, and he'd also, like, kind of work for himself as, like, a carpet installer and stuff. So it's like, we've seen, since we yeah. were, like, little, like... In order to get your way in this world, you have to kind of bust your ass and work for to. it. You have to, absolutely. And you're selling yourself constantly. I have a lot of clients that are contractors, and they'll start their own business because they're like, well, I'm tired of doing all the work, and the boss is making all the money and getting all the glory for it. And then, you know, after a year or so of being on their own, they realize how much work the boss was doing behind the scenes that they didn't know. You know, they, they, a lot of them don't know how to do sales. And I'm like, well, you have to tell people that you're there. <laughs> people aren't going to yep. find you. Like, you got to mm-hmm. let people know where you are. So Someone has to be out and about. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. You can be really, really good at your craft, but you also have to be, you know, kind of a good entrepreneurial person or else it's not going to work. So. Yeah, you have to be able to listen to some of those motivational tapes because sometimes like it's just like the gym. Like there's days I show up and I do not want to do it. Yes. But then I know that you stop to do it. Yeah. Like whether I want to do it or not, that doesn't matter. It's like you have to actually just put in your mind that it has to get done no matter what. Yeah. That's where I think a lot of people like if you're related to like the gym, when once you just kind of get it in your mind or for like business, they're like this is just what we do now. Like, yeah. So it's just like okay, so you know you just. 
Yes. It's easier to go. But once you make it like so painful that you're just like, oh, you dread it. I hate you it. Just, yeah. Then you just start dreading your business, start dreading mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, you know. And mm-hmm. that's that's where the burnout comes, I think, where the people like quote unquote they call burnout. Yeah. That's where I think that they move on to something different. Yeah. That that kind of goes through. But um for you personally, what are like the biggest barriers that you had, like as you were going? Um out? well in insurance I have no control over um the, the product that I'm selling. And so that's a little difficult because sometimes I don't necessarily agree with how it works, but there's nothing I can do to change that. That's the way the laws are set up or that's the way the company has decided to, to set up their policy. And so um, so that was a little difficult and just learning. And, and I just learned that it's really just about communication with people and telling them and explaining to them why it is the way it is and having um, meetings with people. I think that's the, that the, the second barrier is that everybody in insurance who's buying insurance wants to be able to get it done in like a couple minutes. They just want to hit some buttons on a computer and have the policy in place and they don't really understand how important it is to have it set up right and, and know what it is that they that they're paying for. And so getting people to take the time to listen is, is another challenge, but that's the most important piece is that you have conversations with the customers so that you're setting it up the way they need it to be set up and the way they want it to be set up and not just you know throwing together a state minimum policy that gives you what you have to have but isn't going to you know pay for the car if the car gets stolen or anything like that. So, Do you think... I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you think just working like for farmers, like you said, you're not in control of the product, kind of limits of like what you can do and stuff, what you can offer to the clients? Well, yeah. I mean, you only have, you know, you only have the, the policies that they provide for you. Um, farmers is nice because they allow me, if farmers doesn't offer that policy, I can go outside and become more of an independent and, and sell other products. But like when it comes to a home policy, I have to sell the farmer's home policy. And so, um, but um, the, the good thing for me is that it's also, um, they have made their policy very flexible. So I can tailor make it to what, what the clients need within the laws of the state. So there are things I can do to help them uh, meet their needs and, and make it more towards them. But, um, but there are certain things that the law just doesn't, you know, I get told all the time, I don't, there's no separate structures on my, property I don't I don't need that coverage well the law requires me to have that coverage on your policy so there's nothing I can do about that so do you have people like that that come in a long time like yeah yeah I don't I don't need that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I don't need that and Mm -hmm. then like stuff now we see like the home values go up Uh so obviously your insurance has to go up because if it used to say your home was like covering 300 grand Mm -hmm. now your home's like 500 grand so it's Mm -hmm. like yeah I don't think people kind of maybe understand the gap like your home goes away, they'd only give you 300 grand. You're not yes. gonna build a house for yes. 300 grand. And that's what happened with the Marshall Fire is that there are, so um, when I'm presenting my policy to people, um, there are there are some very, very, very cheap premium policies out there. So when I'm presenting my farmer's homeowner's policy to them, and they'll say to me, you know, well, how come your policy is $1,000 a year more than this policy? Well, there's it's all of the details of this policy that makes it different. And one of those big things is that our policy every year will increase as the cost of construction goes up, as you know, as inflation goes up. Some of these cheaper policies don't do that. And that's what we saw with the Marshall Fire is there are people who bought their house five years ago and have 
$300,000 worth of coverage, and then the fire happens, and it's $700,000 to rebuild their house. And so they have a huge gap in coverage. That's why it's so important when for the consumer, when you are comparing you know, an insurance policy, there's a reason why one is $1,000 more than the other one, and you need to know what that is. So that's what I try to do is explain to them, okay, well, my policy offers this, 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 and this. This policy does not. You make your decision based on that information. So. And it's easier to do it in person instead of online. Oh, on, absolutely. Online, I've, I've gone through, and they don't really put what is oh, actually no. included. No. And that, I think that's the danger is that you can go online and just go buy a policy. But you have no idea what you're buying. You just are buying whatever that shows up on the computer. You don't know what questions to ask or anything. And so that's where their people get into trouble is because they didn't have anybody guiding them through the process and they just bought whatever was cheap. Because why wouldn't you? You think insurance is insurance. So I'm just going to, well, this one's $1,000 less. I'm just going to buy that one. People think of it as like a requirement that they have to have. So yes. you can just get the bare minimum just to yes, just to get that box checked off. Yep. Not as an actual necessity to like actually be able to protect your assets. Yes. Because now that I'm thinking, I mean, it, I think like, I mean, once you talk business, like, yes, it's a disservice to like the consumer. But like how many times have we downloaded an app where the terms and conditions, you know, oh. read that, you just oh, click yeah. on it. So, yes. I, so I think like... Because we've all had online insurance before. I'm, I'm uh-huh. pretty sure of not most of us have. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And then terms and conditions, like, I ain't going to read that. Let's yeah. go. And you just click on it. But in there it said, like, X, Y, Z is not covered, yes. X, Y, Z or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. stuff happens. Yeah. There are times, so everybody, when they're looking at their homeowner's insurance, they look at deck pages. So they'll compare this deck page with this deck page. And the information on that page can be almost exactly the same. What's, what's a deck page? A deck page, it's the it's the declaration, so it tells you like you've got three hundred thousand dollars to rebuild your house, you've got you know okay. thirty thousand okay. dollars for separate structure, so it gives you all the information as far as the limits of your policy. So it's like an overview kind yes. of okay. But that is not the most important part of the policy. The most important part of the policy is, you know, do we pay how how much do we pay out if your roof needs to be replaced? Or um, do we pay full replacement cost on your personal property if there's a fire or do you, or you do get a depreciated amount or, um, you know, do we adjust your policy every year or is it something that you need to look at yourself every year? If you want to buy that cheaper policy, that's fine, but then you need to know in your mind, I need to pay very close attention to this cheap policy because I need to adjust it every year in order to keep up with stuff. So, um, Which most likely nobody will. Nobody will do it, yeah. no. No. It's like, what? You want me to pay? Here's like an extra 50 bucks without you telling me I have to pay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and take the time yeah. to think about it. So um, so there's just all of that details. All of those details are in like the fine print in the, you know, 120 page policy you get in the mail. Well, nobody reads that. Mm-hmm. So they depend on, you know, having an agent tell them how the policy works. And if they're doing it all online and not talking to somebody, then they're missing that whole piece. So if you're going to do it online and not talk to somebody, you need to be prepared to sit down and read all of those words that are in, you know, attorney language that you probably won't understand if you try to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Do, Do you see that happening more with like one specific type of like policy, like home versus like auto or anything, or is it like overall? 
Um, I think it's personal stuff. So home, it's homes and autos. People are getting online a lot more because it's, they can and it's easy. And you know, it's it's almost like buying a used car. Nobody wants to talk to the salesperson because they feel like they're getting sold. And so um, insurance has become that. And so I think anytime people can get away with not talking to somebody, they'll try to do that. Um, and it's just you know, it's just consumer knowledge. They don't realize what they are limiting themselves to if they do it that way so why do you think that is do you think that because they've gotten like burned in the past that they don't want to do it or they just um, want to avoid it well everybody wants it to be done as quick as possible so okay. you know 10 15 minutes online and then um they don't want to be sold they're afraid that they're going to get upsold and so they just it's, a lot it's convenient at the time, but then yes. in the long run, it's... Yeah. And as long as nothing good. happens, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's just Until the, it's if. just the people that something happens to <laughs> that it becomes a big issue. So now your personal opinion, do you think everybody should have a full coverage like on vehicles? Because Colorado is like, what, number one? For stolen vehicles. So do you think people should? Um, I think more people should than what they think because I don't think people realize the value of their cars anymore. It used to be that if your car was over 10 years old, it was probably valued at maybe $1,000, $2,000. So by the time, if you have a $500 deductible and your car gets stolen and you it's worth $2,000, you're getting $1,500 back. Well, you, you know, you're paying for that $1,500. Now a used car, 10, 15 years old, is $15,000, $20,000. So if you don't have full coverage and that car gets stolen, that's fifteen twenty thousand dollars that you don't get. So, yeah, but I don't think people think you know they they don't think that way. They think oh it's it's a ten year old fifteen year old car. It's not worth anything anymore anyway. Well, yeah, because that's, that's the thing that, that the what I was asking you because you say like somebody might be able to afford a sixty seventy thousand dollar car. It, most people have the full coverage because they have to have it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people say the car's only like ten thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's the only $10,000 you have. Yeah. Because if you honestly, if you had a million dollars in the bank, you're probably not driving a $10,000 car, yeah. most likely. Yeah. Can so, you come up with $10,000 if your car disappeared all of a sudden? Yeah. Not probably. Most people could not, yeah. I think most people just wait until like, because a lot of people get like a new car from the dealership or whatever. Uh -huh. They wait until they pay off the loan so they can take off the full coverage because mm -hmm. then they're... They, they, they think they're set. That's a very common question we get in the office is, oh, I've paid my loan off. Can I drop some of my coverage? I'm like, you can, but that car is still worth $30,000, so you don't want to. I mean, and that's, that's part of what's driving up car insurance rates is the cost of replacing a car has gone up dramatically. I have clients who bought cars in the early 2000s who got hit, their car got destroyed in that um, hailstorm in 2017. And the insurance company paid them more for their car in 2017 than they paid for it in 2000. Really? So that's uh, wow. that's kind of flipped because it used to be that cars would depreciate drastically. Well, the cost of cars have gone up so much that that's not the case anymore. So that's crazy how that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people usually learn. People usually learn the hard way. They yes. learn off of pain. You know, if they don't, if they don't suffer. It's like messed yes. up. Like that's gonna be the best way. Yeah. It's like when you're young to your parents to be like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't touch the stove because it's hot. Don't touch the stove. And he keeps doing it like, well, fuck it. Let him burn himself a little bit. We'll see <laughs> what <learn>. happens. <laughs> that's that's yeah. funny, though. So so you sell farmer's insurance. Yes. But you don't promote yourself as a farmer's agent. You promote yourself more as Amy's school agency. Correct. 
Um, Why is that? Well, um, part of it's the, just the farmer's rules. Like, I can't use their branding on my own website and that kind of stuff. Okay. You can't? And I cannot, no. Okay. So I have a farmer's website that has all the farmer's branding on it, but if I have my own website, I can't use any of their branding or anything. Um, and the farmer's website has come a long way as far as um, what they can do with... Um, you know, just recognition in the uh, in the Google listings and all that kind of stuff. But when I first started, it was it didn't there was no like the the back end stuff wasn't there, and so you wouldn't be found. So I started this other website in order to be able to utilize some of that search engine optimization stuff. Um, and then Farmers has caught up to that, so that I don't I probably don't need two websites, but I have one. And then I can because on the commercial side, when it comes to business insurance, I can sell stuff that is not Farmers, and so the my personal website drives more traffic to my for my commercial business. So and stuff that I wouldn't, you know, Farmers would never advertise for that type of business. So. So you just started out. So you you basically just started out because you wanted to just get found. Yeah, I wanted to be able to to utilize the internet marketing a lot more than what I was able to do with my farmer's website. Not so not necessarily to just make your own brand as like your own mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't have any intention of ever leaving farmers. Um, I feel like my clients have been very well taken care of by farmers. I mean, I've had clients have total losses on their house. I had clients who lost their homes in the Marshall Fire and. They were thrilled with the money that Farmers was giving them. I had a lot of people who had smoke damage, and Farmers went in and took great care of getting their houses cleaned up and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I really and I, I love the way they treat my customers. So I don't have any any intention of leaving Farmers, um, but there's just that other piece to the stuff that Farmers can't do that I can do. So I just need to market that as well. So yeah, the, the only reason I ask is because like there's. A lot of farmers agents out there but it's like why should they choose to go with you why should the customer go with me yeah instead of, instead of like all these all other these other agents agents um just uh, for my agency our philosophy is um we're just there to educate the customer we do a lot of customer service when you call um a, a person answers the phone um, unless we're busy and you get voicemail but if you leave a voicemail a person will call you back you know within a couple of hours at the most um, and so, and that's t- um, technology and the insurance world is going so far the other way that people really are kind of on their own. So if you ask questions, if you, if you have, there's a lot of companies out there that if you ask questions, you're talking to AI. And so they're going to answer your question however the AI feels it needs to be answered. But that may not really be the question that you're asking. And so we're there to really kind of help you understand what it is your needs are, what your questions are, and, and find solutions for you and help people understand that it's it's a package. It's, their, it's a piece of their financial package. It's not just an insurance bill that they have to pay every month. It is, you know, if something were to happen, this is what protects your assets. So you were saying like we like we answer the phone and all this mm-hmm. so you have other people that work with you mm-hmm. when did you know that you needed to hire some people to actually like give better customer service better experience to the when clients? i got to the point where i didn't have time to answer people's questions and couldn't could not call them back on a timely manner and that type of stuff and so how far in was that like into your business um well i started with somebody in six months 
And they were doing more outgoing phone calls for me. And then about two years, I got to the point where I needed somebody with insurance knowledge that could answer the phones and, and handle that side. So, and I have um, Donna who's worked for me for, it's been over 10 years now. And, but she's been selling insurance since the 80s. So I know that if I'm not the person they're talking to and they're talking to her, she knows what she's talking about. She understands the insurance laws. She knows everything. Um, so I feel very comfortable with her answering the phones. She has since stepped back to part-time because she's retirement age but doesn't necessarily want to retire completely. So she's only in my office a couple days a week. Um, but then I have Dawn, who's newer to the industry. She's great at customer service, and she can answer basic questions. Um, but she knows what her limits are. And so if, if the questions get to something that she doesn't know, then she'll, you know, she'll wait and find out the answer. So. How's your? How do you find good people? <laughs> that's the challenge. That <laughs> that has been the biggest challenge of my entire uh, career is finding good staff. I thought um, you were going to give us the magic, like no. This is the blueprint. Here you go. No. <laughs> I um, I got lucky with Donna. Um, she just happened to be looking for a job at a time when I needed staff, and so it, we just kind of somebody else kind of connected us, and so it worked out. It and that worked out great. Um, We've known that Donna was going to kind of back off her hours for several years. It took us about five years to find Don, and I knew Don from a different industry. She actually was a um, she did nails, and her industry um, after COVID struggled to come back. Nobody wanted to schedule appointments to get their nails done anymore. They were all going into the walk-in places, and that wasn't she can't sit around and wait for people to walk in all day. So. She saw her business and her industry kind of changing, and so she was like, well, maybe I should, you know, she asked me about what I was looking for. She knew I was always looking for staff, so she was like, this is something I could do, and she has, the reason that I hired her is she has, she has the customer service skills. She knows, you know, she had her own clients, so she knows how important it is to, to treat clients in a manner that they want to work with you. And um, she knows what it's like to own a business, so she understands how important, you know, all of the little details are of owning a business. And so, um, so she just had to learn the insurance stuff, and she's, she's learning that, you know. It doesn't take too long to learn. She knows all the basics. It's, there's, there's some detailed questions that people have that she's not comfortable answering yet, which is fine. She's got Donna and myself to answer those questions. So. How much people did you kind of, like... Go through till you fell. Tell you tell you. Till I found Don. Don. Yeah. There's probably about fifteen people, in about a five year 15. period. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of them come in and last a month, and then they they hate insurance and so they leave. Were they usually like younger people that were the ones uh -huh. that were coming in? Uh huh. Okay. Um. Some of them like we had a girl who came in. She wanted to come to insurance because she was so excited because she had been been a CNA and she wanted to work Monday through Friday nine to five and so she was so excited for that and then after about three months she was like well I I spend all my weekends trying to go grocery shopping and do all the stuff that I used to do during the week and now I don't have time to have fun on the weekends was she doing like sales stuff or what or just she was doing customer service customer work. service mm -hmm. okay so she left because she felt like she was working too many hours so it's just you know you just never know you know is that one? Is that one of the bigger reasons people were going? You think, like they the hour wise? Uh huh. They don't want to work forty hours a week. 
So they don't want to for no. So where do they want to work? About twenty to twenty-five. Which, which so they want a part-time job yeah. with full-time pay. But they want with full-time, full-time pay. pay. Yes. Oh, that's, <laughs> so that's, that's the biggest that's, challenge. That's a problem. <laughs> that's yeah. interesting. So and I said, you should have told like, me that in the interview. You just wanted to be. I don't mind. Uh, you know, part-time people are fine, but you're not going to make very much money if you're only working part-time. But yeah. So that's interesting. So do you okay. see like any of like that stuff, like how people feel like in the like interview process, or is it just like later on you like start? To oh, you learn that later on. Yeah. Later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably in the interview, everything sounds perfect, right? Oh yeah, yeah. People have very good She's interview. Like I found skills. the one. I found yeah. the one. Uh-huh. Then like <laughs> a month later, just like yeah. Yeah. How quickly do you can you like detect people like oh, I don't know if they're gonna last? Usually about a month in. A month in. Mm-hmm. Because you can just see their, you know, you can see their attitude. And some people just really hate insurance. And, you know, until you've been, like, I've been on the side where I've seen where insurance has saved <coughs> people's stress and saved people's livelihood. And so, and so, and they're they're very thankful at that point in time that they have you. And so, you know, until you see that side of it, sometimes you feel like, you know, I'm, a snake oil salesman I'm selling you the stuff that never will do anything for you but then when you you know when somebody has a big you know I've had accidents where people have died and my customers were at fault for it and you know there there are times when I feel like I need a psychology degree because I'm counseling them through that process and but thankfully they had the insurance to pay all of the financial side of that because otherwise they'd have the stress of the trauma of that accident plus the fact that oh they're going to take my home from me too so that's that's crazy yeah. so, so you said you had more of like the younger people kind of just in and out mm-hmm. I had a, I had a through. really I had one that I thought was going to be really good um, and, and she did great for a year and then she got pregnant and then once her baby was born she didn't want to come back to work so that was that was the one that lasted the longest, but most of them it's it's a short term. Like they come in, they think they want to work an office job, and then they don't want to work an office job. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't. Do you think it's just like the younger generation, just like mm-hmm. I want want to do minimum amount of effort, but get the maximum amount of results? They're fucking lazy. That's what I, it is. <laughs> like I they're hear, getting soft. Like I think. I hear work life balance a lot. Those are words that I hear a lot. Uh, and I feel like insurance allows a great work-life balance because, you know, as you learn the industry and as you learn more about the job, I think, you know, our our entry-level customer service job would be perfect for somebody who didn't go to college that wants to have the ability to make good money because you don't start out making, you know, $100,000 a year, but, you know, you're making, you know, $20 to $25 an hour and then as you learn the industry, because when you first start out, all you're doing is basically answering phones and either taking a payment over the phone or giving up or passing the phone call off to somebody else. But once you learn the industry and you can handle the phone calls and you can take the job, you can work your way up and you can make $100,000 working in an office as an, at an insurance agency. And so somebody who doesn't want to go to college and doesn't want to spend, you know, that time and money on something like that, they can, it can be a lucrative job over time. I have a, I have a, I have a theory that like, usually if you go to college for you to do your own business 
or for you to go somewhere, like, I don't think they're the right person. Because yeah. you go into college, you're like, you think you know everything. Yeah. So you go into somewhere, because we, we ran into it, like, and I always have that, like, with camera stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't go to college to learn camera stuff, and I feel like I know way more than camera about camera stuff than other people that did go to college, yeah. just because, I mean, they get to a point, you went to college, they think you know everything, mm-hmm. and then you stop learning. Mm-hmm. And, well, and it used to be, so when I went to college, my parents, my mom, actually, because my parents didn't go to college, my mom had a job that um, her bosses would rotate because it was kind of a stepping stone for bosses, and so... It would, like, every year or two, she'd have a new boss. And she could do the boss's job, but she didn't have a degree. And so they would never put her in that position. And so she was constantly training new bosses to do their job. And so she always told me, you need a college degree because eventually you're going to get to a point in your career where you have to have one in order to continue to move up. Nobody ever told me, you need a college degree because you're going to make $100,000 as soon as you graduate from college. It was... You need a college degree so that after you've worked your way up, when you get to the top, you can still go. But nowadays, it's like, I have a college degree, so I should be at the top. They want to start here. Yeah. Start with like. Yeah. It's funny, too, because one of the reasons I went to college was because I wanted to have my own business. Uh-huh. So I went in as a business major. Mm-hmm. I thought that's how you get there. Yeah. But I, after the first year, I was taking a bunch of random classes. Okay, and I was like, what's, what's going on? I was taking statistics and everything. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> so after that, I, I, I switched out and stuff and switched my major and all that stuff. And the, pretty much the only reason I finished was because I wanted to just prove to myself that I could finish. Because yeah. uh-huh. then after that, I realized like a business degree is not going to help me have my own business. Mm-hmm. It'll help me, it might help me work for somebody else. Absolutely. And like be able to move, on to, move up in the company, how, how you're saying and stuff. But... To have your own business, it's not necessary no. at all. No. Well, that's, that's and what there's colleges. so much extra stuff. I mean, I have a son right now who's questioning his high school classes. He's like, what relevance is this? Why, would, why do I even need to know this? And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if you go to a, fo- a four-year college, and I had to take classes like music appreciation and all these different classes, and I'm like... Jazz history. Yeah, I'm like, you're going to be paying all this money to go to college, and you're going to be in those classes going... Why am I even here? Like, what am I even doing? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's part of the problem with the four-year degree is they force you to take. You know, I I get the ideas to be well-rounded, but it's very expensive learning. It's very expensive <laughs> to be well-rounded. Yes. And it's like at what cost? Yeah, you can be well-rounded just living your life too. So. It's because I think I mean. I think, but there's like a lot of stuff to back it up number-wise, like colleges and schools aren't really made are th- they're not really made to pump out like entrepreneurs or business no. owners they're no. made to make employees so that's why you got to be well rounded because i need you to be versatile mm-hmm. as you're working for me mm-hmm. like, so, I you, think. so you do multiple jobs and get paid for one job <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. is that the best employee that's really good you can do everything <laughs> you can find that employee yeah i know we do look for him. we're still looking for him. that's why we're asking you what's the what's recipe what's the recipe i don't <laughs> luck they gotta land in your lap but um, I, we're always told, like, and, and I had a server at a restaurant um, this weekend, and she was awesome. And so I was like, gosh, if I was hiring right now, I would probably give her my card and tell her to call me, just because she had a great attitude and just nice and, you know. Attitude so, and effort. Mm-hmm. So they always told us when I first started, they said, look for people who are in entry-level positions at other businesses. And if they 
if they provide good service to you, then talk to them about are they ready to move up into something more. Something different. Mm-hmm. What would have been some of like the biggest frustrations you've had so far? Um, staffing is really my biggest frustration because that is, you know, that's what's going to alleviate my time is having enough staff and I never have enough staff. So You can never have enough. <laughs> no, cuz it, it I get a new one and it grows and then I get a new one and it grows. So, um, so yeah, that's I mean Really, because I really do enjoy my job. I love talking to people. Um, it's a little frustrating when they're not willing to talk to you, and you're just sometimes you feel like you're just a, you know, I'm just a machine that's emailing people pieces of paper to look at. But um, but we have a we have a system to try to to get people to open up and talk to us a little more. So even if it's even if it's through email, at least I'm having a conversation with you and getting you to think about what it is you're really paying for so how do you have the we go back to the balance of like having your business and then like as a mom too because your, your son loves hockey does travels everywhere to do hockey yes. how does that work that is the craziness um, because I, I do I have two boys that play hockey and a daughter who plays competitive softball, softball yeah. and so it, they always have to be somewhere I am constantly saying I don't know how people who work for other people do this because you know, there's my husband and I, between the two of us, there's three of them. They always have to be somewhere. And a lot of times it's like at four in the afternoon or, you know, or, it's, the, it's or never we like travel. It's times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they travel a lot. And so, um, but I, you know, I, I travel with my computer and do my work from wherever I have to do it. And, and staff, definitely, Donna and Don have allowed me to be able to have to be able to be a mom to my children as well um but it's just you just have to get in that mindset that it may be 10 o'clock in a hotel room that i'm working but i'm working so and how, how do you uh like what kind of stuff are you like teaching your kids doing i guess to do like um, just that anything they do is it's gonna be hard work. If you want to be successful it, in anything you do, it takes hard work. Um, and they're learning that in their sports, and so I just try to kind of um, relate that to real world stuff too. Like you know, you yes, it is hard work, and yes, you have to put in the work in order to get better. But that's gonna be any job you have. Like you're not just going to you're you're never gonna have a job where. Your job's perfect, and you love everything about it, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like that's not reality. So. Do you push them into to do sports, or they kind of want to do it? Oh, they want to. Yeah. Okay. We just told them. We've just always told them you have to do something after school. Like you can't just come home and play video games all day. You tell us what you want to do, and we'll we'll get you into it. But they they love sports. My daughter, I thought was gonna be more of an actress, but and she may decide to go that way when she's in high school, but. She she wanted to play softball, so we gave it a try, and she loved it. So that's her focus now. So that's that's great. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think you, like at a young age, you should do sports. They I think they have mm-hmm. do sports because you're gonna be like, oh, you're pretty good, and then you run into somebody that's better than mm-hmm. you, or you run to like you had a bad game, like mm-hmm. to deal with adversity. I mm-hmm. think that's what they have. There's times when um, they have teammates that they don't really like all that much, and I'm like, yeah. And you're gonna have a job someday where you have to work with somebody you don't really like all that much, and 
that's life. That's You're going to have to figure out how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. we, we had a coach in, uh, in high school who would uh, he would relate everything we do like, on the field like uh-huh. in, for football into real life. Into real life. He's like, if you can't even like get your technique down right, like how do you think you'd be able to go out into the real world and be yeah. able to do shit that requires for you to just be disciplined? Absolutely. And then, I mean, that, we had him on, on the podcast like a while back ago, but it was just... He's one of our, towards the beginning, one of our first ones. But yeah, that was the one I got. Like, it's, it's all about attitude and effort. That's Absolutely. And that's what I said. That's what we tell our kids. Like, I don't know anything about coaching hockey. I could never tell you what you're doing wrong as far as a hockey player. But I can tell if you've got a bad attitude or I can tell if you're not giving effort. And that's when I'm going to (laughs) get on you. But, But yeah, I mean, there's so many life lessons to sports. But I think kids just have to, and sometimes parents have to realize that's really what it's all about and focus on, you know, very, very few of them are ever going to play anything beyond high school. So focus mm-hmm. on the reality of what is going, they're going to have a job someday, so. <laughs> I, think, I think it's funny, or not, not not funny, but like pretty cool, you said like sometimes it's 10 p.m. in a hotel room when you're working. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people, they see you and they're like, oh, you have your own business, you can build your own schedule. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people think that means is build my own schedule. Oh, I'll work two hours a day and then yes. I'll be good. Yeah. But no, building your own schedule is like fi- figuring out when you need to work. Yes. Like you, you'll make time for whatever you need to, but like my schedule is probably not nine to five. Yeah. Maybe it's five to three in the morning or yes. something. Uh-huh. Because that that's how I, I like, uh, we had a discussion about this the other day. It's like, when do you work best? Mm-hmm. It's like when I work best at night. Yeah. So I'll like I'll work a little bit in the morning, do some stuff, and then take a break, do what I need to do, and then I'll start hitting it good. Like uh, once it hits nighttime. Yeah. Just when like the, all the noise is like turned off and stuff. But yes. part of building your own schedules, you still work way more than a nine to five. Mm-hmm. But it's just like fitting it around everything else what you need what to else do. What else you're doing? Yeah. I've had people make comments. Um, you know, like friends, not not clients or anything, but where they'll say like. Oh, I want your schedule, and I'll just laugh sometimes and be like, "Really? No, you <laughs> Do you don't. know what my schedule is?" <laughs> yes, there are days when I leave the office at four o'clock to start driving my kids around town, but that just means that later that night I'm doing that work. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's funny. The, yeah, because the, the that's freedom how, to build your own schedule is yeah. a dangerous game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, oh, yeah, because yeah, like you said, it doesn't turn on, and I have like a very thing. I guess it's controversial. A lot of people they think it's a little controversy in there I have a lot of acquaintances but I have uh-huh. very little friends because mm-hmm. like dude like I was talking to my wife me and my wife were having the conversation the other day like I don't need people telling me like hey man uh, you're doing a little bit too much you're doing this like sometimes I have those thoughts mm-hmm. I need somebody that's like you know like hey why aren't you doing a little bit more you mm-hmm. know I mean because that's what people think you working late sometimes they're like oh like oh that sucks you know you had yeah. to work late it was like well, Dude, like, if you like what you do. Yes. Yeah, because, like, last week was pretty, our schedules are really messed up. Like, sometimes 2 or 3 in the morning, Eric's texting me. Yeah. It's like, I'm sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm up at 5. I'm, I'm, so te- I'm texting him just to have, like, a message for when he gets up. He knows what's going on. Yes, exactly. Yep. And, it, and, it's just, and it's just <laughs> it's just weird, like, how, how it just works different. But, but, but then, yeah. like, we, like, this past weekend, um, I had my bachelor party because I'm getting married in a uh-huh. month. Um, but it's like 
for us to try and figure out a schedule to like actually go and do something, uh, it was pretty pretty hard. Yeah, it because our, it was a nightmare. Our schedule's way different than everybody else's. Yes. It's like, so we had to do like half of it like during the week and then like the other half kind of like towards the weekend. So it was kind of like a little mixed in there and then people were like not being able to make it or whatever. Um, but then that, that I realized like how different like our schedules are yes. than everybody else's. Well, because you guys are doing weddings. So you're probably Friday, Saturday, Sundays are all decked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had to come back on a Saturday because we had a wedding on Sunday. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's stuff like that that you, you know. Yeah. People were like, "Oh, let's just do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday," and I was like, uh, "No, that doesn't that doesn't work for us." Do it like yeah. on a Tuesday or something. Yes. That's what I'm saying. When there's nothing else going on. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when people's like days off is like the weekend, that's when sometimes we're we're working more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially, especially this time. Especially of year. this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, going back to you, so what's one thing that you if, if somebody could have a takeaway? from like misunderstandings of insurance, what would Mm -hmm. it be? Um, Have somebody, have a professional explain it to you. You know, because you have no idea what you're getting unless you're going to read all those forms. Have somebody explain it to you. And they're not trying to sell you on anything. You know, I don't sell anybody anything. I explain to them how the policies work and how the different coverages work, and I let them make the decision. And that's, you know, they need to know exactly what they're getting. You're, everybody thinks insurance is a waste of money, and my opinion is if if it's not set up the way you want it to work, it is a waste of money because if you have, you know, all those people that had insurance that they paid maybe $1,000 a year for for five years and then their house burned down and they only had, you know, $300,000 of the coverage, what a waste of money that $1,000 a year was all that time because it really got them nothing. Mm-hmm. So it is a waste of money if it's not set up properly. So. Oh, that's great. Well, that's good. So where could people kind of learn more about you, find your stuff, or what's the easiest way if someone wants a information quote, what's, um, is it through your website? Or? They can go to my website, um, schoolinsurance.com. Um, and there's ways to reach us that way, or you can find me on the farmer's website uh, at Amy School, farmersinsurance.com uh, and Amy School. Um, or they can call me at 720-974-9320. Cool. Yeah, we'll, put, we'll drop all that down below so okay. people can start sending the quotes so they can <laughs> see it, so they can check it out. Yeah. No, but Amy, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come chat with us for a little bit thank you guys thanks for having me it's fun appreciate it yeah (laughs) yeah guys so thanks for tuning in we'll catch you guys in the next one yeah appreciate it guys underrated underrated we the underdogs underestimated